Good morning. It's Thursday, the twenty-first of September, and this is Govindraj Ethiraj coming to you from Mumbai, India's financial capital. Our top stories and themes for the day: the stock markets take a U-turn, fall eight hundred points. Hundred-dollar predictions for oil a barrel are here. Contract? What contract? Say pilots as Akasa Air takes battle with fleeing pilots to court. Consumer demand is falling across categories. Rains are one reason. All is forgiven for now. Total France is back with Adani in a new venture. This is a core report with Govindraj Ethiraj. And the markets make a U-turn. The first signs of weakness were already there, but the Sensex yesterday fell further by 796 points to end at 66,801, while the Nifty 50 breached the 20,000 mark on the way down to settle at 19,901, down 332 points. The Nifty mid-cap and small-cap indices too dropped. About 0.5 percent. Now, these were the broader numbers. Several triggers could be driving the nervousness in the markets, including, of course, oil, which I'll come to, a rise in U.S. Treasury yields, and selling by portfolio investors, which in itself is not so new. Caution is advised in the Indian stock market, especially in the small and micro-cap segments, as there are potential sources of intermittent volatility, such as the U.S. Federal Reserve's actions, rising commodity prices, that's especially crude oil. Uncertain monsoon impact on crop production, upcoming state elections, and soft rural consumer demand. Milind Muchala, executive director at Julius Baer India, quoted by Business Standard, said Julius Baer is a large investment bank and wealth management company. Meanwhile, in other notably, that's commodity markets. Goldman Sachs has rejoined the hundred dollars a barrel oil club, raising its forecast for crude back to triple digits as worldwide demand. Hit unprecedented levels and OPEC plus supply curbs, that's Russia and Saudi Arabia, continue to tighten the market, reported Bloomberg. Prices have risen by more than 30% since mid-June to breach $95 a barrel on Tuesday. However, most of the rally in the vital commodity is behind us, Goldman Sachs said in a note. Pilot was. The year-old Akasa Airlines has run into an unusual problem: fleeing pilots and a court case on them by them following suit. Some 43 of them, that's pilots, are believed to have quit en masse and joined, if reports are to be believed, Air India Express, now owned by the Tatas. Both airlines fly Boeing 737s, the pilots of which are not so easy to find, at least right now, and going by one opinion, who I will come to shortly, anywhere in the world. The larger issue is employment contracts. Akasa Air says the pilots have breached a six-month notice period and taken off quite literally. The notice period is long but ideal. Most airlines have said at other points of time, a contract works both ways. Of course, pilots allege that airlines don't really honor contracts when things go wrong with them, and usually leaving them—that's the pilots—hanging high and dry. In their view of the world, this honoring a contract is quite honorable, particularly if it was not a nice contract to start with, and if the airline had breached it too, as they are alleging in the present case. Matters got a little compounded for Akasa Airlines when its lawyer, who filed suit in Delhi High Court, dramatically announced that the airline was in a state of crisis and might shut down due to the abrupt resignation of these 43 pilots to join rival airlines. The lawyers pleaded with the court to direct the Directorate General of Civil Aviation or the DGCA to enforce the mandatory notice period rule for pilots. The notice period, incidentally, is six months for co-pilots and twelve months for commanders. 
quite obviously, the one line from the lawyer was reported, or rather selectively reported, to suggest that the airline itself had said it was shutting down, which obviously it had not. Nevertheless, this led to much social media agony which would have ruled the day for another day, were it not for another less loyally rift between the two countries of India and Canada ruling the airwaves, which I will come to shortly. And of course, going to court itself is a somewhat unusual and aggressive move by the airline, according to aviation analysts. Now, Vinay Dubey, CEO of Akasa Airline and earlier with Jet Airways in the same position, told employees later yesterday the company was in fine fettle and said Akasa was never more confident about its future and would continue to invest prudently with longer-term financial success in focus. He also wrote that Akasa was generating cash from the first day of its operations and this meant that the initial funds put in by investors, including the late investor Rakesh Jundunwala, remained secure in our bank account. So what will happen now as things stand is that Akasa will obviously curtail some routes and flights but will continue flying normally elsewhere till it obviously can get hold of some pilots or presumably poach them back from somewhere else. Now, on to pilots and their view of life, which I can assure you from years of covering aviation on and off can vary from their employers. I reached out to Captain Sam Thomas, a former Jet Airways pilot and now president of the Airline Pilots Association of India, which claims over 600 members and pilots from over 30 airlines, including Akasa Air. I began by asking Captain Thomas what his current position on the matter was. As far as Alpha's position as the Airline Pilots Association of India that I represent, there are two aspects to this. One is the legal aspect, which is sort of in the realm of 50 shades of grey. Now, what has happened with this six-month notice period to one-year notice period has been going on for a while. And there is a history behind this. The contention that you need six months to get a pilot ready is not accurate at all. And airlines are joined together to force the hand of DGCA to implement it as CAR. Now, that has been struck down from the one year. It has gone down to a six-month notice finish. The facts of the matter, as far as we've been speaking to the Akasa incident with the pilots, is they've very clearly stated that it's the toxic environment that has forced them to leave. And also, these contracts are governed by the Indian Contract Act 1872. If either one of us is in breach, then there is a chance for the other party to leave without any penalty. Now, wherever there is a negative covenant involved in this, it becomes very subjective because what is the cost of training? And at the end of the day, they have gone to another airline. Why hasn't it happened that the pilots of those airlines which are flying the same. In this case, it's the Air India Express. Why wasn't there a reverse flow? That could happen. But I think the question here is the legal part first. And you're saying that the legal part is tricky, as in it's not very clear. It cannot be enforced. That's correct. That's correct. So in which case, what's the sanctity of this six-month clause? If you're saying that no pilot anywhere in India will adhere to it. It's not that they will not adhere to it. People have been adhering to it for a long time because they have no other option. Now, take a case of a brain surgeon in Leelawati Hospital. Does he have to give us six-month notice? They are far more intelligent than pilots. And now that's a point of these supply and demand kind of scenario. Now, since the law could not help them out with the six-month notice, the airlines represented themselves to DGCA and force the hand of DGCA to bring in these irrational contracts. Now, when you go back to the court, again, there have been 
enough judgments to say that this will not hold. In fact, the DGCA of that time gave a affidavit in court to say that CARs are advisory in nature, which is absolutely wrong, but they have done that anyway. So what is a CAR, Captain? Civil aviation requirement. Okay. So you're saying that this six month is not enforceable and therefore should not be an issue of contention, particularly at a time when a pilot may get other offers. So that's one part of it. The second part is to do with the ethics of such a move. And obviously, when pilots leave en masse in this form, the airline's operations are jeopardized. Isn't that affecting your association or the pilot's long-term career prospects as well? Well, there has been no study into that. We have asked DGCA through an RTI as to what kind of study have you done wherein pilots have resigned and masked. This is not the first time it's happening. They claim that Kingfisher had a problem, Deccan Airways had a problem. Now, they were not able to put out anything substantiative to say that, yes, passengers were affected. Now, cancellation of flights. If 43 pilots of any airline resign, there will be a little bit of schedule disruption. But when we are speaking to the pilots, why would they suddenly decide to leave? If the company is doing well and if everything is all right, why would they leave? What we want the airlines to do is to introspect and figure out other reasons that this is happening. The problem with Akasa was they came post-COVID. And when they came post-COVID, they had offered pilots some very ridiculous salaries. Pilots who were desperate, had no job, had lost their jobs. They were the ones who agreed for it. So are there enough pilots in India right now who could be hired or is there a fundamental shortage of pilots? And we are talking about 737 right now. Yes, 737, there is a fundamental shortage of pilots. That is because it's difficult in India to go by the regulations and get the number because there is no number of training institutes. I mean, it's not easy for an Indian to become a pilot. That's because the regulations are so archaic. We are governed by an Indian Aircraft Act 1935 and the DDCA and all these things. We have no sort of easy way to become a pilot. Having said that, pilot shortage right now is worldwide. US is facing one of the biggest shortages of pilots right now. That, unless you plan well in advance, this is going to be a perennial problem. And with airlines expanding, the only solution they have right now is to bring in expatriate pilots, which again may happen, may not happen because, like I said, it's a worldwide shortage, not just an Indian shortage. Right. And just to come back to the point that we started in, you're saying that a legal contract has limited sanctity when it comes to pilots at this point of time. And therefore, airlines, when they hire in future, may not even think of or should not even think of having such a clause in their contract because it's not going to work in any way? Not entirely. See, the very fact that the plaintiffs, that is Asasta, has asked the Delhi High Court to ask DGCA to intervene. That itself shows that they're not on a good wicket right now. What we are trying to say is, let's get a contract that is okay. We don't want the employer to be in trouble. At the same time, we don't want the employee to be in trouble. Because we face this firsthand. When Jet Airways closed down, there was a one-year notice period in force. And we could have had very good offers. It's just that no employer is going to wait for one year for you. Or six months for that matter for you. He wants it as of a three-month maybe or something that is beneficial to both. We don't want the pilots or the employer to be in any kind of trouble with en masse resignations. When you know that en masse resignations can create trouble for an employer, 
you're saying that you would discourage your members from doing so we are not in a position to do that because then they are going to revert back to us and say that when there was covid and there was on mass layoff what did you do for us then because neither the employers nor the associations did anything other than take care of their medical or you know very emergency kind of medical situations the solution to this is only to have balanced contracts between the pilots because the pilot side is never mentioned there are kids who have joined after paying 1 crore and getting 737 endorsement and still paying the bond to the airlines so when the times were bad for pilots these airlines used it to make money like spicejet was a perfect example goair the perfect example i know people who were paid 50 to 75 lakhs as bond there and then they shut down now what happens to them so if there's no protection to the employee why should we bend backwards to protect the employer right captain thank you so much for joining me most welcome thank you so much the india canada battle a diplomatic battle between canada and india over the killing of a sikh leader and a canadian citizen in canada is threatening to put a freeze on growing economic ties between the two countries trade between the two countries is worth around 9 billion dollars that's mostly merchandise imports and exports from india to canada being at a little over 4 billion dollars each or less than 1% for india according to figures from bq prime however India is the largest source for foreign students in Canada's colleges and universities and has sent over 200,000 of them last year alone from what i could see in the markets the biggest canadian public pension managers have poured tens of billions of dollars into indian companies and projects including renewable energy infrastructure and banks three large funds the canada pension plan investment board and pension funds for quebec workers and ontario school teachers have over 32 billion dollars invested in india bloomberg news reported bloomberg news also said that the white house that america has reacted cautiously with national security council spokesperson adrian watson saying the administration was deeply concerned and called on india to cooperate with the canada investigation Meanwhile the Ministry of External Affairs in India on Wednesday issued an advisory for Indian nationals residing in Canada and those contemplating travel there asking them to exercise utmost caution. Kirana stores or the corner stores slow down on stocking. A few weeks ago I spoke to Dairishel Patel president of the All India Consumer Products Distribution Federation and he spoke about how inventory levels were rising with dealers as sales were slowing down in Kirana stores across the country he attributed to people holding back on expenditure and spending and saving more a feature he said he did not even see during covid at this level at least proportionately Latest numbers from Bizom, a retail intelligence platform and a company that collects data from some 5 million Kirana stores across the country, shows that year-on-year sales for several categories have slowed quite sharply. Also, Kirana stores are not stocking up as much in anticipation of lower sales. Now, year-on-year, commodities are down 24% or a negative 24%, beverages are down 9%, confectionery is down 15% and personal care is down 19%. Home care is the only segment that has grown smartly at 18% that's 18% positive year on year. Overall rural growth is down 17% and urban growth is around 2% or mostly flat. 
So what do these figures suggest, particularly in context of overall consumption patterns and consumer behavior numbers nationally? I reached out to Akshay D'Souza, Chief of Growth and Insights at Bizom in Bangalore, and began by asking him how he was reading the current data trends. One of the things that you have to realize is that we're actually coming up against festival season. So at a store level, we will expect to see a lot of consumer brands actually end up dumping stock because almost everybody of them wants to capture the entire category share on their brand. That's typically a play that happens for you know, consumer brands during festival. You also have Diwali in November. I think you'll see a large piece of that actually go through in late September or early October is where you will see that trend happen. But that being said, other than home care, where essentially you see a lot of products in the need side for consumers itself, there is not much happening otherwise. Now, if you look at it category-wise, beverages has had a difficult year, right? We've had a summer that's largely been piped off because of unseasonal rain. Temperatures have not been the highest. And now you actually compare this versus last year, if you, I don't know if you remember, but last March for beverages was the hottest year. And temperature directly correlates with sales beverages, especially the core beverages. And that's been the impact this year as a overall you know, macroeconomically, you know, what is impacted there. The next in that is commodities, right? Now, commodities are a mixed bag, really. On the one side, you have branded commodities like edible oils, for example. You're seeing prices and drop for them over 40% year on year. So I think any demand that we may have got due to drop in prices is going to be inelastic. So overall, volume would have dropped down and will remain down because uh, I'm not sure if you've tracked, but we've also been importing a lot of supply and stock of edible oils so that we maintain stability for this year. I think that has happened pretty recently. So edible oils being lower is understandable and a lot of it is price drop driven is actually going to be impacted. For the other bases, I think we will see a pickup. I think we just sort of wait maybe for a month or month and a half Rain is being slow really in August is possibly also making a rural and little tentative is what I feel. If September kind of turns around in terms of rain for volume and you know the whole sowing season of the Tarif crop, I think kind of comes through. I think that's where I think you will see maybe the turnaround and the festival season boom that kind of can come in place. Right. So these are obviously year-on-year figures. So if they were they're relating to the same period or roughly the same period last year which is, again, in the run-up to the festival season. But Akshay, what's the larger view on this? I mean, is this reflecting a certain holding back by consumers on purchases? Is it some other, as you said, rain? I mean, what's the macro view on what's going on? Look, at the moment where we are on this old trend, we'll have to actually see how the rainfall pans out, to be honest. Because a lot of the rural economy today, which is agri-dependent and agri-income-dependent, we rely heavily on agri-income, which essentially is going to be rainfall limit. Now, the dry spill is not helped, to be honest. I think that's really put a worry. But one I think is going to be positive is that there are definitive measures to control price inflation. And I think that is definitely something that I could see. And I could see that in rice. I could see that in wheat. I can see that in sugar. I can see that in edible oils. Tangibly visible. El Nino or no El Nino or that price control mechanism. That control is there. And I think you will see that being in place. Which means... Spends are going to be controllable in this year anyway. If you actually have a good drop, for example, rice five year, the acreage has increased, you're probably going to stare down at a yield decreasing because of the rains, right? Which rise to the very rain heavy cropping it. So again, now that also creates a shortfall of revenue overall in the hands of the farmers, right? I think. And finally, you need to have an income to kind of drive consumption at the same point. So I think really uh, September and you know, I think the next one or two months is critical from that point of view especially from a rural standpoint. 
urban i would see as big a challenge because urban i'm still seeing it could pick up even more i think that's the trend seems to be there at the moment right and akshay can you give us a sense on what's your data collection landscape like so we essentially have now helping uh, over some 600 on brands to kind of get secondary orders from over 8 million kirana in my analysis however i use close to about 5 million of that for analysis purpose which is part of the numbers that we see and i think we have other sources with to you know where which we collect direct data from retailers and so on and so forth right? so it's a pretty big and large landscape that we kind of use largely secondary orders based and between urban and rural what's the value split so i think for our universe that we have put out urban is still about a third of the overall business that we have put out in value terms in value terms so two third is rural for all consumer products in india in going by your yeah i mean in speaking mainly across categories because in product sets which are slightly more urban oriented like confectionery is a slightly more urban oriented than some of the other products that right che thank you so much for joining me you're welcome total and adania back Adani Green Energy on Wednesday announced a new joint venture with France's Total Energies to house a 1050 megawatt green portfolio. Total will invest about 300 million dollars in the deal said Adani Green. There are already four ventures between the two going by a statement made by Total in February including Adani Green Energy. Now this is the first deal announcement between the two companies since a report by Hindenburg Research a US short seller on Adani Group in January led to all of Adani's stocks being pounded on the bosses. In February Total had put out a detailed statement about its transactions with Adani saying essentially that its investments were undertaken in full compliance with applicable which is Indian laws and Total Energy's own internal governance processes. It also pointed out that its investments represented 2.4% or 3 billion dollars at December 31 2022 levels of the company's capital employed. Total first partnered with Adani in 2018 to develop a joint LNG or liquid natural gas business. At that time there were four ventures: Adani Total Private Limited, Adani Total Gas, Adani Green Energy and AGEL, that's Adani Green Energy 23. Total Energies will invest 300 million to form a new 50-50 joint venture that will house that 1050 megawatt portfolio that I just mentioned it will comprise a mix of already operational 300 megawatt under construction 500 megawatt and under development assets 250 megawatts with a blend of both solar and wind power said Adani Green Adani Green's total project portfolio stands at little over 20000 megawatts Well on that energetic note that's it from me for today have a great day ahead remember to log on to www.thecore.in read our newsletter visit our website spend some time on it give us some love also tune in to our podcast which is a weekday podcast and also now on weekends with a special edition called the core report weekend This was the core report with me Govindraj Ethiraj. Do stay connected with more of our coverage at the core. You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter at www.thecore.in that is www.thecore.in or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook as well. Now, we would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant to you. including our reporting on India's vibrant manufacturing sector write to us at feedback@thecore.in at thank you for listening <laughs>